I'm very pleased to be invited to be one of the presenters at this year's theme of renewal. It's certainly timely and appropriate and uh, for our consideration and the uh, topic that I'm uh, pursuing tonight, as Mark has already mentioned, is renewing our contentment. And so I want to start us off by asking the question of why is, why is a renewal of contentment needed? And in dealing with this question, it, it relates to me in a couple of ways as to why I chose it. We had a we had the opportunity to, to make the choice. Mark sent out the schedule of uh, topics and it's kind of first come, first serve, uh, choose your topic. And I wanted to deal with contentment for a couple of reasons. One, it does involve some of my very favorite uh, scriptures uh, from the Bible that over the years I've uh, been able to find a lot of comfort and direction and um, uh, contentment even from uh, these passages of Scripture, we'll be looking at some of them uh, here in a few moments. But I've also had the experience through the years uh, that actually, uh, actually attaining and then maintaining contentment in my life uh, has been a, an ongoing, uh, continuing challenge for me, and I suspect maybe for a lot of you as well. And I was under the impression that in my younger years that as I as I aged, as I got older, that uh, so many of these things that were uh, troublesome for me as a, as a young person, were, they were going to go away. And as I, as I moved particularly into retirement years, well, surely everything's going to be nice and rosy and nothing to be discontented about. But I find uh, that's just not the case. So uh, for those of you looking for those golden years in retirement, uh, they're nice, believe me. I, I appreciate uh, the freedoms that uh, Kay and I have in that regard, but uh, it's not without its challenges, that's for sure. So uh, that's a couple of the reasons why a renewal of contentment is certainly appropriate. And, uh, but again, when we ask the question why, you know, some of you might uh, relate to this next fellow in the uh, picture there. I, I got a chuckle when I saw that. Uh, it was like uh, he's, he's asking you know, you're asking why? I mean, uh, what are you? Have you been a, in a, under a rock the last year or so? Uh, his facial expression seems to be saying, uh, uh, you know, what's the, the current term instead of crazy? It's cray-cray, uh, um, you know. You're, you must be cray-cray. Uh, but um, we've had quite a year. There's no question about that. 2020 has, has really uh, brought on a number of things and so this idea of uh, saying why is uh, an emphasis on uh, a renewal of contentment needed. It's like that's uh, beyond really uh, common sense as to where not we need to ask the question. But I want you to humor me for a few minutes here as we review some of the discontent that we may have faced during, night, uh, during the, the 2020 a year and even into the uh, things that we're still facing. We're not totally out of the woods yet, although things have been improving, that's for sure. But these things I have listed up there, just uh, some of the main ones that occurred to me, we're all uh, quite familiar with what happened uh, to the economy and 
all the uh, disastrous effect that it's had on so many people. And then for those who uh, were still working and considered critical, the healthcare workers, our public safety people, and uh, folks uh, working in our uh, retail establishments, that they were the ones really overworked and put at higher risk than the rest of us. And then there were those, of course, that were out of work. And so it's, it's been a challenge in that regard. And, and not to mention the, the pandemic itself, the COVID-19. COVID of course, we're aware of that very well. It was about this time last year that Kay and I both were tested positive for COVID. And we went through the process. And fortunately, with fairly mild symptoms, we didn't have any any big issues there. But uh, not only the COVID-19 virus, but there's also the COVID-19 around my middle. And uh, that's, I, I heard somebody talking about that the other day. It struck me funny. I hadn't really thought about COVID-19 related to weight, but it was true in my case. Uh, maybe not 19, but uh, anyway, there. Uh, and culture, I mean, there's so many things, in my view, going on in the culture that we're living in nowadays that's uh, certainly a reason for uh, uh, discontent and, and like what has happened and what is happening as far as things that are going on in, in our culture today. It's just uh, amazing. Um, and my, um, I was supposed to be able to see that clock over there to keep me on schedule. and. Would you believe there's a light bulb shining right in the middle of it? And so I can't make it out. So uh, if you see my wife waving at me uh, about uh, 7.45, well, she's trying to shut me down. And uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, talking about culture, I, I, it reminded me, I, uh, the, the phrase for the title of, of uh, John Steinbeck's last novel they published in 1961 was called a um, entitled the winter of our discontent and uh, that kind of stuck in my mind as being uh, relevant in some way i'm not going to go into all the details but uh, steinbeck told uh, friends during the time that he was writing and after it was published that that he had written that book the winter of our discontent as a um, as a commentary or an observation on the moral degradation that he saw taking place there in the 1950s and 1960s in our nation. And uh, it's a pretty interesting uh, novel, the way he, uh, he put it together, and uh, illustrating the, the nature of discontent and how it affects us and, and can motivate us to do things that we normally wouldn't do and we're influenced by outside forces. And um, it's uh, another thing, though, that occurred to me in um, that title, The Winter of Our Discontent, was it made me think about February here in Texas <laughs> and uh, the fact that we, uh, we really had a winter for sure. And again, uh, Kay and I were certainly affected, not as badly as some, but um, it was not pleasant. Definitely, you don't expect to experience a winter like that in Texas. Let's hope that we don't have another one anytime in our lifetime. But uh, culture, the economy, the pandemic, and um, then I have up there DNA. My, in case you saw that, and she said, what are you talking about? DNA, how does that 
figure into our discontent. And I said, well, think about it. We had Adam and Eve. Where were they? They were in the Garden of Eden. They had a paradise home. They had everything you could possibly want to enjoy in life. They just had one little restriction. You know, just don't eat that particular fruit. And they had to eat it, you know. They had to taste it. And look at where we are today. Thank be to God for Jesus Christ. We are in a much better position than, than they were. But that's what I mean. It's the, the DNA from our original parents. There's something in us that creates that feeling of discontent in um, so many ways. So, but moving on beyond the why, let's talk about the how for the next few minutes. And um, how do we renew our contentment as Christians? And the, the first point here in that regard is that uh, we need to understand the meaning in Scripture of contentment. Uh, let me say, first of all, that being content is not the same as being complacent. There's a big difference there. Uh, complacency indicates a certain uh, attitude of, uh, of not caring or laziness or not wanting to uh, press on and, and um, get on with life. So that's not the biblical idea attached to contentment. Um, another idea in this regard that I, I thought uh, was very creative on my part, and normally I'm not a creative kind of person, but uh, now listen closely here, because this is important. And, and uh, the idea is that Content, content depends upon content. See what I did there? Same word, right? Same letters. Content, content. And they're related. Contentment depends upon the content in your mind. And the, the Bible, the Bible uh, emphasizes the idea that uh, biblical contentment carries the idea of of uh, a sense of completeness, a sense of uh, attainment, of attaining a, a long sought after goal. It, in, it includes a, um, a sense of satisfaction, of like, okay, I've arrived. And, you know, during this time of the year, we, we see the, uh, the, the folks competing to go to the Olympics, and some of the teams are already in place. And, and of course, just being invited to uh, compete, to be on the team is an honor within itself. And uh, actually making the team, of course, that's a very exciting, a big deal. But it's finally the, that person that's standing in the center on that elevated uh, platform and they, they get that gold, they won the gold in the Olympics. You see, that, that brings a, a sense of, of accomplishment, of satisfaction, a sense of having arrived, of having attained. And, and that's the thought that in Scripture, when we're dealing with contentment, the Christians are to develop this kind of mindset that we have attained, we have arrived, we are in a place where we can say at last it's been achieved. We see that idea in so many other ways. I mean, I can mention the name John Glenn, and everybody knows about John Glenn, or, or Neil Armstrong. And these are folks that accomplished, they attained, they reached a goal, 
and there's this great sense of, of satisfaction, maybe more in uh, recent times here that caught everybody's attention, or a lot of people, my attention anyway, uh, it was uh, Drew Pearson, the, the great uh, Dallas Cowboy. And he just kept missing being uh, entered into the Hall of Fame. And it was a great sense of frustration and, and um, loss until finally, now he's there. He's there. You can't take that away. It's an, attain it's an achievement. It's an attainment. There's a contentment attached to that. And so that's the biblical thought that we want to hold in our mind in that Christians are resting in the knowledge that Jesus is Lord, that he has been granted all power, all authority, both in heaven and on earth, and we're in on it. We're a part of that. We're, we're a member of the body of Christ. He's the head, we're members of the body, and so that's an attainment. That's, that's something that we can, we can just kind of say, finally, it's there. I'm a part of it. I'm a part of something that's going to be forever. We don't know what all God has planned for us in eternity, but it's going to be a tremendous experience for all of us. And, and so that's the source, that's the foundation, the basis for contentment in Scripture. And the second part of how do we renew our contentment as Christians is that it is a process. Uh, Paul in um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4, uh, excuse me, 11 through 13, in that section of Scripture, Paul was talking about his financial situation and the support that the Philippian church had given him, and he was grateful for that, but he, he uh, made the statement, he said, I have learned in whatever state that I am, whatever circumstances that I find myself, I've learned to be content. And so my point here is, it is a process. Because when we first uh, run across Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was anything but content. I mean, he was a, he was a warrior. He was on the warpath. He was persecuting Christians. He was, he was an angry, hostile kind of individual, thinking, of course, that he was doing the will of God in what he was doing. But he was not content, and yet we know that... Uh, in time, he went through a process. Now, not all learning is a long process. I mean, if you, you know, touch a hot stove, that's pretty fast learning experience right there. You're probably not going to touch it. And Paul, he did have, in a way, his own hot stove experience there with the uh, uh, conversion, the encounter that he had with Christ. But then uh, we're, details are kind of sparse, but apparently he had about a three-year period of time before uh, from that time of his conversion until he then uh, uh, went out in a very public way as the Apostle Paul. So he, he did learn, and he learned contentment. So um, he was able to say, I count all things but loss for the cause of Christ. And so this is a continual process of ordering our thoughts uh, and seeing things from God's perspective. And then the third how of how we renew our contentment as Christians is to realize that uh, it's not an optional thing for us to learn to be content. It's not optional. It's, um, it's a requirement. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, there the writer says to 
Be content. It's kind of like that's an order. That's an imperative. Be content. Even though it's in a participle form, it carries the idea of, of uh, an imperative. Be content with what you have. Again, in the context there, it was talking about not pursuing after riches, not being, not being uh, uh, overcome by the desire to pursue after riches and wealth. And so this is not something that we can just uh, uh, take as an optional thing. Contentment is something we, we need to seriously um, consider. And if we find ourselves in a kind of a funk and we're, we're, uh, we're not happy and we're discontent, as Christians, you need to stop, think, reevaluate. I've got to do something there that's going to uh, turn things around for me. And then the, um, the fourth how that I'm uh, putting before you tonight in uh, how to renew our contentment as Christians is that we, we need to accept the fact that it is, in fact, a war. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, there Paul, he compared um, controlling our thoughts to warfare. Now, in that immediate context, he was talking about folks that were being critical of him as in his call to an apostleship. But he went on to say that, uh, he said, I'm taking every thought captive to obey Christ. And that, that's the idea. We, it's a constant thing, an ongoing process that, that we pay attention to what's going on in our head. And he said, I take every thought captive for Christ, for the obedience of Christ. And that's, that's so important, I believe, for us to get into our inner uh, principles for living is to recognize that, that uh, thinking is what precedes our feelings and our emotions. And our feelings and our emotions is what precedes action. So you have to get things in the right order. You get your mind right. You get the thinking straight. And um, then that's going to result in having the proper feelings and emotions that will then motivate us to action in order to uh, live and uh, proceed the way that the Lord would have us to do. And, um, oh, I'm in good shape. You might get out of here early tonight. Uh, so the, um, how do we renew our contentment as Christians? These are the ideas that I'm putting before you tonight that I think are both biblical and practical. And the fifth how that we're going to be looking at is to guard your thoughts. Guard your thoughts. Now that cute little fellow up there, um, he's a little stinker for sure. And uh, it was uh, Zig Ziglar that came up with this, this statement that, we all need a daily checkup from the neck up to avoid stinking thinking, which ultimately leads to a hardening of the attitudes. And uh, I think he's, he's right on with that. We've got to uh, avoid stinking thinking as uh, Christians in order to have the contentment that uh, is, should be characterizing our lives as followers of Christ. In um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, we have... Again, Paul writing there to Timothy in the context, he's, he's again warning against the seductiveness of, of chasing after riches and telling Timothy how he should instruct those who are rich, how they should manage their, uh, their money and do good with it. And he, uh, 
he tells, um, emphasizes to Timothy that godliness with contentment is great gain. That's, that's where the, the money, the, the wealth really is, is in godliness with contentment. You have that in your life, you're wealthy. Spiritually, you're wealthy. And so our contentment is that, as Christians, is that sense of having the, um, uh, the work of Christ that he's done in our place and that we're a part of that. We have attained. We are in, we are in uh, good shape from a spiritual and eternal standpoint. And so our last slide tonight, it summarizes the how, I think, in a, again, a comprehensive uh, exhortation from uh, the Apostle Paul, taken from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. I don't know if you can read that or not, but it's from the, I like, in this particular uh, set of verses, I like the New Living Translation uh, from the Living Bible. I like the way it's expressed here, and it's carrying the idea that that uh, we, we have to push the negatives out by bringing in positives. We can't just live in a vacuum. And so whatever negative forces are causing us to be discontent and unhappy and frustrated, uh, those we bring the positive into that and push the negative out. Uh, I think it was Jesus in one of his uh, uh, instances, he, he cast uh, demons out of this uh, fellow and he told him uh, uh, what to do because he said, if you don't, uh, you're going to have even more come back on you. In other words, you can't live in a vacuum. You, you need, you've been cleaned, you've been uh, cleansed, and so now you need to fill your life with the good positive things. So here we have the idea that it's what's on the inside is what counts. So here Paul writes in the New Living Translation, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. I just like that play on word. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent, worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. You see that contrast there of what Paul is emphasizing, filling your mind, thinking on these things, all these positive things, fix your minds on these things. And he said, the God of peace will be with you. Um, so there was an old song we used to sing every now and then uh, called Count Your Blessings. And that particular song kind of ran through my mind as well is that when we find ourselves in periods of discontent and dissatisfaction, uh, take the time to you know, count your blessings. Name them one by one. We all have great blessings. All right, so we're not having questions, and I'm, I'm done, and so we're going to have a closing prayer, if you'd pray with me. All right. Heavenly Father, we certainly have been living in a 
a trying time this past year plus, and it's been cause for a lot of frustration and questions and discontent on our part at times. And so we, we pray, Lord, that we can um, take seriously the admonitions we find in your word. We know that through Christ and the provision that he's made for us, that we're a part of a tremendously wonderful eternity and that we can take great satisfaction and find peace in that knowledge, find contentment, live our lives day by day, filling our minds with positive things, pushing out the negative, and knowing that, Lord, that your peace will come into our lives and that we can uh, live, our, live out our lives here on earth uh, with cheerfulness and contentment, uh, looking forward to that great uh, eternal home with you in the heavens. We're thankful, Lord, for each one that's here tonight. We pray that you give all of us a, a good week and help us to glorify your name in all that we do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.